Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, gracious Lord, thank you for giving us this time that we may continue to learn more on your word, Lord, that you have allowed us this time period that we may be able to listen um, and as brother your word teaches us your word, Lord, and that we may be able to understand and, and love you more, Lord. Uh, Heavenly Father, Father, we pray that you give us an open heart and open uh, mind that we may be able to listen and absorb everything that Brother Paul will teach us today, Lord, and that he will give and that you may bless him with uh, um, us, a stable tongue that he may be able to sp speak confidently to us, Lord. Just with his name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, uh, today we will pick up pace a bit. It's just a bit for today. Because today's passage is quite con sorry, it's not quite concise, it's quite expounded. So uh it spreads out across a few verses. So I, I prefer to talk about this incident uh at one go today. So we will just focus in on this incident of Jesus walking on water after he has fed the five thousand in the record in the recording of John. So today we're gonna to read through John chapter six, verses sixteen to twenty-one. We're gonna go through uh the six verses together today. So let's read together John chapter 6, verses 16 to 21. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the seas and coming near the boat. And they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. So as we start off this incident, this record of Jesus walking along the water, we are told that now it is evening time. Now, before this, when we look into John uh, chapter 6, verse 15, we realize that Jesus, at this point of time, already so-called, uh, was in a way escaping. He was staying away from those people who wanted to falsely make Jesus the king, the king of them, the physical king that would reign on this earth, which is not Jesus' plan. Ultimately, his plan was not here to become king in the sense of men. And so he himself chose to withdraw. And this point of time is an evening already. Everything is dark. There is no light. They have to leave. And so, what happened was that the disciples themselves went down to the sea. Now, this sea will most likely be referring to the Sea of Galilee because we have really established at the start. And they were at the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. So the location itself is quite clear. They themselves are traveling across Galilee. Now, they say that they got into a boat and started across the Sea of the sea to Capernaum. Elsewhere in the other gospel, it is recorded that they themselves was going to, uh, they were traveling to Bethsaida. However, Bethsaida may not have been the location that they themselves were actually going. They were passing by Bethsaida, but now it is made clear to us that their very focus was go back to their home base, so-called going back to Capernaum. And so they got themselves got into a boat and started across the sea to travel to Capernaum itself. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. Now, this is something that is rather interesting here, first of all. First of all, uh, we need to 
understand that now darkness itself is very different from our understanding of darkness in Singapore. In Singapore, we don't ever experience total darkness. It's quite hard to experience total darkness in Singapore. It is that we have so much light pollution here in Singapore that even when we're off the light at night, even with all our windows closed, you know, we don't really have that sense of total darkness. However, for those who have went up to Northern Thailand before, if you guys have experienced that once, uh, we have a blackout. The, mountain, the whole mountain top had a blackout. Literally everything was black. You cannot see anything. Before everyone on their phone torch light, no one can see anything. But that itself is the kind of darkness that we are, we are looking at in verse 17 itself. It's total darkness. They can barely see anything. Yes, maybe they have a few sources of light, you know, with torches and whatnot, but it is still nonetheless very dark. And so, most likely because of this darkness, and because of what Jesus himself has called the disciples to do, they lost their way with Jesus. You see, before this whole incident start, this incident itself started, Jesus commanded the disciples to go and dissipate the people, right? To dissipate the people as Jesus himself withdraw to the mountain by himself. Not so much with the disciples, but by himself, he withdrew and called the disciples to dissipate, to disperse the people. And the disciples was waiting for Jesus to come back. So at this point, Jesus has not yet come to them. And they are not, Jesus was not with them. And then the whole incident started. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. Now, understandably, the disciples themselves would be scared. You know, Jesus is the leader in some sense. He is the head. He's the head of this group. He's the teacher of this group. So your teacher is gone and right now you're facing such a terrible disasters. You will be scared. And this itself reflects a form of a reality that all of us face today. Jesus in our lives sometimes will have, for us ourselves from a humanly perspective, will sense that Jesus himself has withdrew from us. He himself has hid, hidden himself away from us. God himself has hidden away from us. He has covered himself for us that we ourselves, we as mankind, we may not sense God, we might not see him, we may not even feel him in a sense. But this is common within the Christian, in the Christian faith itself, within Christian experience. I'm not sure how many of us in the youth have actually experienced such kind of experiences before. You just sense that you're so down. You sense that God don't exist. You know, you just feel that God himself is away from me. He's not caring for me. He's not looking upon me. He's not looking after me. God is not there for me anymore. You know, we are in those kind of dark and distressed hour. And so it is the same thing that the, the disciples are facing at this point time also. You see, there's two aspects to this. First of all, Jesus was not in them. That in itself is bad enough. But right now, they are facing disasters and Jesus is not with them. It is doubly worse. But it is so much so. You see, if the disciples was enjoying themselves, they were not facing this disaster, they were sitting on the boat calmly, even without even without Jesus, they themselves would feel fine. You have no fear. But it is only in the time of disasters. Then, when God is missing in our life, we will sense it. 
and we will have the depressed and distressed to look after God. This is the sad truth of humankind. Oftentimes we are living in luxury, when we are living in a comfortable life, God itself seems very far. Even if God hid himself away from our life, we do not notice it. But if and when we face disasters, that is the time when we truly see the need for God. And so this itself reflects us as human beings. It is in our nature, it is our sinful nature. We don't seek God. No one cares to look for God in our times of joy, in our times of comfort. But it's only when rough time hits, we seek and we try to look for Him and we try to find Him. So this is the encouragement that I can have for all of us here today. Even without the sea having strong winds blowing at us, even without the rough tides that is in front of us, we need to seek God. We need to read God's word every day. We need to have fellowship and union with God daily. That we cannot neglect this constant, uh, this constant communication with God through His word. To understand His word. To pray for Him to be in our lives. That we cannot neglect those things and wait for disaster to happen before we seek after Him. Now, this whole incident began. And then what do they do? They row about three or four miles away. Now, of course, if we were to look at images in the past, we see that boats has sailed. It's common, it's quite common. It's a common understanding that boats have sailed. They cannot use the sail at this point of time simply because the wind is strong. They do not know where the they do know where the wind is blowing, but it is uncertain how far they will go. In fact, the wind might even be blowing them back onto shore again, which is not the direction they want to go. So they have no choice. They row out about three or four miles. Then they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. Now, why are they frightened? It is not so explicitly mentioned here in John chapter six. However, if you were to look elsewhere into the record of Matthew himself, uh, in Matthew itself, we see that they themselves, uh, when they saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said it is a ghost and they cried out in fear. Now, if we are a Jew, if we were Jews, we will understand this perfectly. In the Jewish tradition, especially in the Pharisees' tradition, they have this concept and this kind of understanding of demon or Satan, of ghosts. You know, just like how we as modern day uh, readers, as people living in the modern day, we have that understanding of, oh, sometimes there'll be ghosts, sometimes we see spirit, sometimes we see Satan. In, in those days, they have this kind of concept also, especially the Pharisees. The Pharisees are extremely afraid of this. Uh, the Sadducees themselves don't necessarily believe in such this kind of supernatural entities, but for the Pharisees themselves, they do. And so, in that sense, the disciples themselves might have been influenced by the Pharisees themselves. And especially it's dark at night, it's day at night. It's scary. In fact, if you were to look into the Pharisees' tradition, uh, the, the Jewish traditions themselves, they would tell you not to walk alone at night in, some, in, in certain circumstances and not to touch people at night simply because uh, they might be ghosts. You know, they have this kind of tales in the past. Very similar to our culture today. You, know, you will hear of tales not to do this, not to do that, whatsoever. So they were afraid. 
but yet we also realized that their fear was placed in the wrong place. They were fearful of spirit, they were fearful of ghosts, but they didn't recognize that that was God himself, that was Jesus himself. So that itself reflects a lot of our own fears also. It's not so necessarily I'm talking, I'm not necessarily talking about a physical uh, haunting or physical ghost flying in front of us, and that ghost itself is the Holy Ghost. I'm not suggesting that at all. But what I'm saying here, and what I'm suggesting here, is that often of times the fear of our own hearts, the fears of some of some in events that is going to happen or is happening right now in our own lives, those fears in itself has God's plan in it. You know, a lot of times the fears that we have, we don't recognize the blessings behind it. We often at times imagine ourselves with the fears. We dream up the things that were not meant to be fearful. You see, in this case of the disciples, there was no ghost. There was no spirit. There was no Satan. There was Christ. But by their imagination, they thought that it was a ghost. They thought it was a spirit. They thought that a hunting or haunting would occur to them at this point of time. And so they were frightened. They did not see God. They did not recognize him. And they did not recognize Christ. And so what about us? You know, how often of times when we get into situation, bad situation, we are fearful, we see storms, we see wind blowing, and we see no hope in it. But yet we don't recognize that Jesus himself is in plain sight. We don't recognize God in plain sight. We don't recognize the teaching that God might be wanting to bring to us. We don't recognize the test that God is bringing us through. We do not recognize the faith that we should have in Christ and in Jesus. You see, this in itself is a miracle altogether. The, the disciples did not recognize him the disciples thought that he was still up in the mountains somewhere and Jesus just suddenly appeared. It's scary to think of it that way in a very physical manner. But yet, it is the sense of our trust in Christ that he is with us always. We might not see him. We might not see God. But God is there with us. He is journeying with us. He might not journey in the same way as we expect him to journey. Just as how the disciples might have expected Jesus to be in the boat with them. But no, Jesus worked in a way that they themselves did not expect. He walked beside them, beside the boat of which they were traveling on. Now, after this incident, Jesus called the disciples of Peter to, to join him, you know, to walk them, and then that whole incident happened, but it itself was not recorded in John. Why is it the case? Well, that might be many reasons, but, but of course, one of the reasons that we always turn to is that the purpose of John is not so much to record the full stories and the full account of what happened, but it is more the, the, more, the main focus of John is to speak about the deity of Christ. The miracles of Christ, the deity of Christ, the person of Christ. And so the focus is placed there. What Christ is doing at this point of time. Doing something that is physically impossible. Walking on the sea. Coming near the boat. And so Jesus himself, seeing that the disciples were afraid, was afraid or frightened, he turned to them and said to them, It is I. 
do not be afraid. Do not fear, I am with you. See, this in itself is a form of comfort to us as Christians. Often of times, as I mentioned before, in disasters, we don't see him, we don't recognize him, we don't recognize Christ. You know, in the disasters that we face, in the terrible situation that we're in, that we're facing right now, we don't recognize him. But yet Christ will one day, will sooner or later appear to us and say that it is I. Do not be afraid. He is behind the supernatural. He is behind the natural things that occurs in this world. Now, this kind of natural disasters is not uncommon to us at all. We do not know why it happens. We might not understand why it happens. We might question why it happens. But what is important is to recognize here that it is Christ. It is God. All these natural disasters, all the disasters that happen in the world today, do we recognize that it is within the realm and the control and the decree of God himself? We might not need to, we might not understand the purpose, we might not know the need of it, we might be fearful of it, but ultimately it's our rest found in Christ knowing that he himself is in charge of all things. See, Recently, the whole uh, Lebanon explosion got caught up on the news. Everyone is sending out in on Instagram. But yet, do we recognize that this incident itself, God might be behind it? I'm not suggesting that God is behind it in a bad way, that God is destroying all men, which eventually, yes, he will. But what I'm saying is that where is our comfort lies? You know, if our families, if we ourselves are there in, in that kind of situation at Lebanon at this point of time and the explosion happened, are we going to grieve so much so that we forget and neglect that Christ has a purpose in it? That God has a purpose in it? Christ himself is above and is in control of the natural things. In this case, he is in control of the storm, of the wind, of everything which was blowing. He was in control of it. Are we trusting in Christ? Do we recognize, first of all, that Christ is in control? Second of all, do we recognize, do we, do we trust that Christ is in control of it? And so after this whole incident, it's quite a long day for the disciples. Seeing miracles and then dispersing the people. Now they're tired. It's pitch, uh, pitch black. Everything is dark. They themselves want a rest. And suddenly they saw a ghost. A ghost with quotation, of course. They realized that it was Jesus and they said they not be frightened. So they were glad. You know, they were glad that it was not a ghost. They were glad that it was not what they imagined it to be. And it should be for us too. Are we glad that often our times, the, our imagination takes the better of us? Not realizing that our imagination harmed us more than the thing which happened itself. They were glad to take him into the boat and immediately the boat was at land to which they were going. 
Now, this itself reflects very much of a sum, Psalms 107 uh, verses 29 to 30. He made the storm still, uh, be still, and the waves of the sea was hard, were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet and brought them to their desired haven. This is the natural Christian life. This is the reflection of our struggles, of this, the things, the storms and the waves and the terrors that we go through in our lives. Ultimately, Christ will bring us to the safe heaven. If Christ wished to, if Christ will, he will immediately bring the boat to land, the place that we are going. In some ways, we can see this land in two forms. First of all, it is the safety, it is our comfort. After we go through a time of disasters, after we are distressed for a period of time, God will grant us rest. There will be an end to this form of suffering. This is something that many Christians do not recognize. And this is a very sad thing to see in Christians today. All of us will go through hardship. This is the reality of life and this is the reality of what Christ has taught us. All of us will go through a hardship in life. All of us will go through a period of distress. But many of us don't recognize that there will be an end of it during the time of our distress. God is there to help us. God is by our side. In verse 21, it shows us that there will be land. There will be an ending of our suffering when we are going through it. Are we looking forward to it? Are we looking for the immediate end to it? And if we see the immediate land, will it not then bring us through our suffering and the distress that we are in? And we recognize that God is in control. He will bring us to the end. The land that we desire to go. The haven, in the sense, that we desire to go. And also, this land might reflect the ultimate end that we have. That the suffering that we go through day in and day out in our own life, sometimes we get persecuted by others, sometimes we suffer with our own sins, sometimes we suffer the punishment and the small minor judgment of God upon our sins. Do we recognize that if God wants to, He will immediately bring us to the desired heaven that God has promised for us, the place that we will go after our death. That there that place there has no sin, there has no more suffering of sin, no more of this terror of this world, of the nature. Do we recognize that God Himself has the power to do so and He Himself has the right to do so? This is something that I want us to think about more as we uh, continue on. You know, in our daily lives, when we face trouble, when we face distress, when we face persecution, when we face so much things of this world that we hate and we wish that we do not go through, we realize that God journeys with us. We do not see Him, we do not feel Him, we do not sense Him, but do we believe that He's there with us? That ultimately, when we look at the end, we reckon that God is there waiting for us. He will bring us immediately to the safety of his arms. Do we realize that? 
do we think about that through our own suffering and our own disasters living in this cruel and sinful world? So with that, I will end off tonight's session. I'll send some questions out to the WhatsApp group as usual for us to think a bit more about um, tonight or even tomorrow morning as we go to school. So with that, uh, I'll end us here. Can I have Samuel to close us in prayer? Okay. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for uh, your of our teaching us and maybe apply, uh, apply the learning we have learned to our daily life. Uh, and just like Amen. Amen.